Amen. If you have your word tonight, go ahead and turn uh, to Mark. And we are going, I got a little ambitious this morning, and Vanessa, I don't know if she noticed it or not, but I had to scratch out the number of verses uh, on the picture that I sent to her because I was hoping uh, to get through chapter 8. But as I was reading and going through, the Lord dropped more things in my spirit to add in uh, to the message. So we're going to do good to get through verse 34 tonight. Uh, And with that, I'm not making any promises. But if you're there, Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 31, going through verse 34. And if you don't have your word, it's up here on the screen. So you can read along with us. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Can I tell you that call that was made there is still the call today? to each and every believer, to take up the cross and follow him. Last week, uh, Jason preached. I was at the house not feeling too well, and I watched, and it was a great message. Uh, But last week, uh, through the text, we learned and we heard of Peter and the great confession that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus was the Messiah, Um, He asked them, who do you say that I am? And we all have to come to that place in our relationship with the Lord where we know who he is for ourselves, not based on what other people have told us, what others have experienced, even family members, as good as it was for them. He's got something for you. He's got a, a relationship, an experience, an encounter with him just for you, and it's going to be greater than anybody else's. Not that... He's a respecter of persons, but when it's personal, that's what matters. And that's what it's got to be. But now in this portion of Scripture, Jesus immediately begins to speak of his passion, his mission, why he came to earth in the first place. And Luke 19.10 tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This and this alone was his true passion. And I love what the expositor's notes say regarding uh, Luke 19.10. It says, The seeking of the lost, at least on the part of God, involves far more than a mere quest, but rather an extremely active participation. So much so, in fact, that it took Christ to the cross. You see, our sin was so great that it required the blood of the perfect sacrifice. All too often, we're satisfied with just asking someone if they want to come to church. uh, If you can, if you have time, uh, it'd be great if you'd come to church. And then when they say no or I can't, it's like, oh, 
we just shut down. We've done our part. We're good. We turn our backs and never go that way again. But we have got to remember, we have got to be willing to take them to the cross. We've got to be willing right off the bat to tell them of the great sacrifice that was made for them on Calvary. See, it's not enough just to accept a casual or, no, I'm good or, or, or whatever. Begin to tell them of what took place at Calvary. See, it took Jesus to the cross, and that's where we must take everyone that we tell about Jesus. If we give them Jesus and don't tell them of the cross, we really haven't given them Jesus at all. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Realizing that is the greatest thing, that is the most loving act that was ever done for mankind. And so many times we shy away from that. We shy away from telling people what Jesus did for them. Oh, we'll tell them little stories that will give you like a goosebump or something. But tell them that the King of kings and the Lord of lords laid down his life so that you could live, so that I could live. In our attempt to witness, we've got to take them to the cross. We've got to take them all the way to Calvary. Because that's where that walk took Jesus. That's where that walk ended, right? Was at Calvary. That's where our victory was won. That's where it was uh, everything that you and I have access to. That was purchased at Calvary. We have got to be taking people to Calvary each and every day. I want to point out a distinct transition here between verses 30 of Mark chapter 8 and verses 31. You see, up until this point, uh, the focus was on Jesus as a servant. Everything that Jesus did was to serve mankind. All of the preaching, all of the healings, all of the miracles, that was him in his servant form. But from now on, it's Jesus as the sacrifice. Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. That's what we hear being laid out just in these few verses right here. Him telling them, yes, I was a servant to you. I, I, I did all of these things, but it's all so that I could sacrifice my life for you. You see, in today's society, we get caught up in the servanthood of things. Oh, well, I do this, and I do that. I give to this. I uh, give my time here, and I do all these things, and all those are good. But if our faith is not in the sacrifice, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to add anything to us. In reality, it takes away because it shifts our faith from where it should stay on the finished work of Christ, the cross, right? You see, looking back, there were crowds, there was preaching, and there was uh, kind of a popular ministry going on. But looking ahead, the crowds slipped away, right? The skies darkened, and all the roads led to Jerusalem. See, you will find that when you're doing works. You can rally teams together, and people are excited but when you talk about going to the cross, when you talk about laying down your life, when you talk about denying self, those crowds will dwindle away. Oh, people want to do something to feel good about themselves. 
That's, I mean, that's what we do, right? But when it comes to denying self, crucifying flesh, there's not too many people standing in line, oh, pick me, pick me. But that should be the cry of every believer's heart. That should be what we're about. That's our heartbeat. See, that's a decision we all must make to follow Jesus. No turning back. The song, the old song, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. We have to make that decision. We have to uh, make that resolve in our hearts and in our lives that no matter what comes our way, Lord, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go all the way with you, Lord. You went all the way to the cross so that I can go all the way with you. So that I can hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This is a race, Paul would say. It's not one that you take off sprinting, because if you do, you're going to give out very quickly. But it's one that's run with endurance, with perseverance that doesn't shrink back, that doesn't turn around when things get hard, but day by day, step by step, dying to self, denying self, and taking up the cross. This is what these verses are laying out in front of us. See this very clear news of suffering, rejection, death, and then resurrection was very confusing to the disciples. And I think sometimes we can be hard on the disciples, and we think, well, how could you not know this? You should know this. Yes, they should have, but we should know a lot of things too. And we don't. There are things that are right in front of our faces, and we don't even see it. There are people each and every day that cross our paths that are dying inside. And unless we are in an intimate relationship with the Lord, praying and seeking His face, desiring discernment, wisdom, and knowledge. They will walk right in front of us and keep on walking. We won't even see it. We won't even realize the need. See, we're, we failed to truly die to self. We like ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. You should. I like how Brother Bob used to say it all the time. Um, ugly don't equal holy. You don't have to be ugly to be holy. You need to look good. Sometimes you need to put a little paint on the barn, right? <laughs> Isn't that how we would say it? Nothing wrong with putting on lipstick. Except for guys, guys don't y'all be putting on <laughs> chapstick. <laughs> y'all can use a chapstick. But we've got to understand what that means. That means not my will be done, but thy will be done, Lord. Lord, let me die to myself today, Lord, so that I can see with your eyes, so that I can do the will of the Father this day. I think as if these words of suffering and rejection and death, they kind of were disappointment to the disciples. Right? I thought he was our Messiah, our conquering king. See, they failed to truly realize who he was and what he had come to do. And that was save mankind from their sins. See, Peter gives the rebuke, but I'm sure all the other disciples were thinking the very same thing. 
what are you talking about? The Bible uh, expedition commentary says this, and I like the way it was worded. It says, this announcement stunned the disciples. If he is indeed the Christ of God, as they had confessed, then why would he be rejected by the religious leaders? Why would these leaders crucify him? Did not the Old Testament scriptures promise that Messiah would defeat all their enemies and establish a glorious kingdom for Israel? There was something wrong somewhere, and the disciples were confused. And they were steeped in Jewish traditional interpretation. So they were unable to understand how their Messiah could ever suffer and die. To be sure, some of the prophets had written about Messiah's sufferings, but much more had been written about Messiah's glory. And that's what they wanted. They wanted the glory. The news, again, of suffering, rejection, death, totally shocked them, shook them to the core. It was a non-suffering, non-dying, victorious Christ that Peter and the disciples wanted. That's what they wanted. They didn't want to hear about a weak Messiah that was going to be ridiculed and hated and ultimately die. They wanted a conquering king. Sounds like most of the church world today, right? Jesus, just fix everything for me. That's the kind of Jesus we want. Fight my battles and win them, Lord. Protect me. Keep me safe from all harm. Let me have a perfect, easy life. Newsflash, that's no life at all. That's not life. In fact, that's the heartbeat of communism and socialism when you really think about it. Because that's living in a completely controlled environment where the promise of protection is given all the while somebody's sneaking in the back door stealing everything you got. That's what's happening, and that's what they wanted. That's what they thought they wanted. That's what they thought they needed. That's what they thought the Messiah had come to do. If there was no suffering, we wouldn't develop compassion, right? People will say all the time, well, if God's such a loving God, why are there hungry, starving children all over the world? Well, to, to prick something in your heart, to make you realize, I am blessed. See, if everybody had everything they needed if everybody was equal communism there would be no compassion we would become robots I'm, I've said this before and this is not a Christian book but I highly recommend this book uh, Agenda 21 it's had to be called a fiction book I think because there's so much truth in it that for it to be published they had to call it Fiction. But it talks about just that, getting to that place in society where nobody's better than anybody else, which takes away motivation to work hard. Right? You see it all. You know what I'm talking about. And that's what this was leading to. But now we've got, it's come full circle, and we're here again, right now, at this place in time in American history. But if there were no suffering, we wouldn't develop compassion. If there was no sickness, there would be no need for healings. If there was no bondage, there would be no breakthrough. Right? 
We've got to go through things to know that in and of ourselves, we're nothing. We have nothing to offer. He is it. He's all we need. He's the only one who can do anything for us. The only one who has done everything for us in going to Calvary's cross and pouring out His precious life's blood so that you and I can live. That's what it's about. That's all it's about. You see, life has mountains and valleys. Creation bears that out. Not everything's flat in this world. Now, there are places that we've traveled to that you can see forever. It's just flat. But then all of a sudden, there'll be a mountain. And then there'll be a valley. That's life. We've got to go through some things. We're going to have those mountaintop experiences. But oh, it's in the valley when we know who he is. When we find out how faithful he is. How much he loves us and cares for us. See, creation even knows that. And all too often we miss it. We don't see it ourselves. So here in verses 31 through 33, we find Peter going from his highest of highs, you are the Christ, to hitting his lowest of lows when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. I laugh and I've told people before when they bring up your past or start talking about things like that, you just look at them and say, get thee behind me, Satan. That'll shut somebody up real fast. <laughs> When they try to start bringing junk up. Oh, well, I remember when you did this. Because Satan's the only one who knows that. See, Jesus, he's forgotten it. It's washed. It's under the blood. It's gone. Never to be brought up again. But he looked at Peter and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. See, Jesus was speaking to Satan himself. Not Peter, but he was speaking to Satan himself when he rebuked Peter. He recognizes the influence of Satan in and through Peter's words. He heard Satan's voice in and through Peter's words. And I'm going to tell you, if you're praying and asking the Lord to give you discernment, to give you wisdom, there will be people who cross your paths, and it will be Satan himself that's speaking through that person. And you can recognize it. You can. I have before. I've been in conversations with people and I think, whoa. I mean, we have to remind ourselves of the word. We've got to know the word first to remind ourselves of it. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, Satan uses people to spread his lies. Coming home from the airport. Yeah, that is a true story. Coming home from the airport Sunday night. You know the powerful services that we had Sunday. And, Sunday, and we drove the church van Sunday night to pick up Hope and Noah from the airport. And out of nowhere, this, he was demon-possessed man, was growling at, at us, at the church van. I mean, he was, the look on his face when I looked over, it, it was horrible. So when, when you're prayed up and, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to shake some things up. You're going to stir some things up. You better be ready. It's not you. It's Jesus in you. But that's how it works. That's how it operates. He goes before us, folks. That's not to scare us. That's to encourage us. Oh, that he's mighty. 
that he's working, that he's going before us, that he's making that way straight. And those things that try to come against us, oh, they can't. They can't cross the bloodline. They can snarl. They can growl. They can bow up and do all these things. But that's it. That's it. And we just look at them and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus, save them. Jesus, save them. At first, Jason wanted to run them off the road and race them. But I was like, no. I think Noah said, we need to use wisdom. <laughs> Says the newlywed. <laughs> we, yeah, we need to use wisdom. That's right. His wisdom hadn't gone. <laughs> but that's how, it, that's how it goes down. That's how it happens. You can recognize Satan's voice when you are following the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. So Peter's words, again, were inspired by Satan. See, by persuading men and women to prefer humanity's interest, man's ways, rather than God's interest and his ways, that's the voice of Satan. When somebody is trying to get you, oh, well, just do what makes you feel good. Just do what you want. It, it doesn't matter. The Lord knows your heart. Yes, he does. <laughs> and when we're not living right, that should scare us to death. But he does know our heart. He discerns the, our motives, our intentions, right? He does know that. So if you will recall the last of Jesus' temptations by the devil after his baptism was a temptation to receive all of the kingdoms of the world without what? having to go to the cross. That was the temptation. You can have everything right now, and you won't even have to go to the cross. That was the temptation. At that time, it is written in the Gospels that the devil left Jesus for a time, but would return. And here, the devil has returned. And he has returned to again to uh, tempt Jesus with the same temptation. You don't have to go to the cross. That's what Peter took him aside and was telling him, no, no. See, Peter's rebuking Jesus about speaking about suffering, uh, the sufferings of the cross, and telling him that he can become a king now without having to go to the cross. You'll recall back in the beginning of chapter 8, that's why Jesus had to leave areas because they wanted to go ahead and make him the king. He was like, no, now's not the time. I got to go. I didn't come to set up an a earthly kingdom. I came to establish a heavenly kingdom. Amen? That's what he came for. Not to be king of this earth. This is all going to pass away. He came to establish an eternal kingdom in glory. But Peter and the disciples, they could not yet wrap their mind around this. So Peter's tempting Jesus as Satan's ambassador and now needs to be rebuked by Jesus in the strongest manner so that everyone will know, I'm not playing games. I'm here for a reason. I came for one reason. That uh, again, that's what man-made religion wants, the glory without the cross, the benefits without going to Calvary. That's exactly what man-made religion lives for, desires, all the glory, but don't talk about the cross. 
That's offensive. Well, you think? I mean, the word itself says that the cross is an offense. So that right there, that statement in and of itself should tell you this individual does not know the word. The cross is an offense. But to them who are saved, it is the power of God. Jesus is telling Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, right? Why? Because uh, he's not understanding the things of God. The Gospel of Mark doesn't tell us this, but Matthew 16.22 does. This is what Peter said to Jesus. Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be unto you. You don't have to go to the cross, Jesus. You don't have to be ridiculed. You don't have to be mocked. You don't have to be beat. See, like so many believers today, they see in the scriptures what they want to see instead of what they should see. Their vision of the Messiah was not at all what the Bible had projected. Right? (laughs) Commentary says their tradition would not allow them to believe the Bible but rather twist its words to their own belief, which led to unbelief, which led to the hardening of the heart that kept so many from receiving Jesus as the Messiah. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, see, they let traditions of man keep them from seeing the Messiah for who he really was, Jesus of Nazareth, a carpenter. They wanted a big, strong king. They wanted a military leader, someone who would come in and free them from the rule of Rome. Oh, we want Israel to be great again. Again, do you hear how selfish that is? Just take us back to the good old days, Lord. We just want Israel to rule and reign. Israel will rule and reign. But that will only happen when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then Israel will be restored. But there's a journey to Calvary that has to take place in each and every one of our lives. For us to get there. Jesus did not come to catapult Israel to greatness and glory as they thought. But rather he came to lift man from the terrible bondage from sin which had enslaved him. Oh, this can't be all for sin. For my sin. For my wrongdoing. My guilt. My shame. Surely not. I'm not that bad. See how highly... We think of ourselves, yes, our sin, our guilt, that sin debt was so great that it demanded blood, a blood sacrifice. And it wasn't just any blood. It had to be the perfect lamb of God, right? Everything wrong today is because of sin. It's not because of a bad king, of a bad government, of prayer being taken out of school, 
we could go on and on and on and list all these things that people want to pass the buck to. Oh, well, we'd be a good nation if this was in place or if that was in place. It all goes back to sin. All of those wrong things are just symptoms of sin. They're the sickness being brought to light. But the root of it is sin. That's all it is. And that's what he came to address. Sin. Because you and I could never do it. And that's what they struggled with so greatly. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they thought they could keep the law. And Jesus, from the moment he came on the scene, showed them, you can't. You can't do it. You don't even know what you're talking about. You can't even connect the dots from what you pride yourself on knowing, the Old Testament, to what's being fulfilled right now before your very eyes. And you think you can save yourself? No, that's why I'm here. That's why I came to go to Calvary. The purpose of Jesus being born as a baby into this world was for one reason, and that was to go to the cross. There's a song, and I think it was called Born to Die. That's why he was born, to die for you and me. In fact, Peter himself would later write, after he got it to an extent, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. I love to quote those three scriptures and at the end put in my name. He was manifest in these last times for Summer, for Bob, for Tammy, right? It becomes real. It becomes personal. Realizing what he did for me. And we hear it all the time, but I don't think we believe it. If there had only been one, just one, he would have come. But he came for all of us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a promise that we have. So even though Jesus did many great, good, and wonderful things during his earthly ministry, still his destination was the cross. It was always the cross. And I want to quote this from the commentary because it was so good. It, it needs to be read. There at the cross, the terrible sin debt of man would be settled forever. There, eternal life for all believers would be made possible. There, Satan and all his minions of darkness would be totally and completely defeated. There, the way to heaven's gate would be forever open to all who believe. 
there due to the great plan of redemption being consummated the Holy Spirit could come into the hearts and lives of believers to dwell permanently there all guilt would be removed with all condemnation taken away that's why Romans 8 and 1 says there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus there that which was planned before the foundations of the world would be carried out in its totality there is the cross if you didn't know what took place at the cross there it is everything that you and I will ever have need of was purchased on Calvary's cross so why do we look everywhere but there when a need arises We've got to get back to being people of the cross. This world has nothing for us. Absolutely nothing. It is in Him that we live and move and have our being. We're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. Praise the Lord. This is not as good as it gets. We've got a mansion in glory, amen? And I can't wait to be there. But until then, I'm going to keep taking people to the cross. I'm going to keep leading them to where our victory was won, where our salvation was purchased. And that's at the cross of Calvary. You've got to get this. It's all about the cross. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan said, The man who loves Jesus, but who shuns God's method, being the cross, is a stumbling block to him. And that is true. You cannot have Jesus without the cross. That would be another Jesus, another gospel. You can't take someone to Jesus by bypassing the cross. You are leading them astray. They are being deceived if you don't take them to Calvary. You can't walk in victory without the cross. You can't be healed without the cross. You can't obtain anything. You can't be delivered without the cross. You can't obtain anything from the Lord if you bypass the cross. Because that's where everything flows from. And I am not talking, just as Jason said Sunday, I'm not talking about the wooden beam. I'm talking about what was accomplished there. What I just read to you what that symbolizes, what that signifies is that he did it all. And now we just have to rest in his finished work. We have to rest and we have to believe. We have to anchor our faith in the finished work of the cross. Verse 34 and he summoned, uh, verse 34 of chapter 8, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, Peter took Jesus aside and tried to rebuke him, and Jesus was real quick to say, uh, No, I don't follow you. You follow me. Where he leads, I will follow. 
We can go a lot of places with the Lord, but I will tell you this, we will never lead. And the moment we think, oh, I'm leading, I've got this, I'm in control, you are going to come to a dead end. <laughs> You're going to hit a roadblock real quick. Real quick. You've got to always be second. <laughs> we are a follower of Jesus Christ. And our world today, if uh, many, if not most churches and church leaders are teaching that a person can be a Christian without having to die to self. Right? Jesus cannot be successfully followed unless it's by way of the cross. And that is dying to self daily. By dying to self is the only way that Christ can live in and through you. We both can't live. Right? Man can't serve two masters. <laughs> we've, we've got to die to self. Galatians 2.20 tells us that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead. I said it week before last. If you're getting offended so much, if your feelings are getting hurt, if, uh, then you're not dead to self because dead people don't feel things. I'm not going to say you're not going to get your feelings hurt, but you can't stay there because it's not about you. You've got to get up and say, I'm following Christ. I'm following Jesus. You can hurt me. You can accuse me. You can do all these things to me, but it's not going to stop me. But when we get in our feelings and get all hurt and, and bitter and upset, then flesh is alive and well. We're living too much by the flesh instead of being crucified in Christ. Right? It says, In uh, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Jesus came to die on the cross so that you and I might live. Is it that simple? Yes. That's it. That's what this Christian life, that's what it is. He died so that we could live. Now what are we going to do? What, where are we going to take people? What, what are we going to tell them about Jesus? Yeah, we can tell them about all the miracles. I love that. We can t tell them all the great Bible stories. That's great. They're there for a reason, to grow our faith. But if we fail to take them to the cross, then everything else is going to be off. They're not going to have that foundation that's needed. See, you can get everything right, but if you get Jesus wrong, nothing else matters. Mike Musaroff said that, and I'll never forget that. You can get everything right, but if you get Jesus wrong, what does it matter? He's the only thing that matters. What he's done for us, that's what matters. Mark, uh, again, the central fact, uh, and Mark, again, the central fact of history and of our lives, Jesus, the Son of Man, the exalted human, the divine God-man came and was sent by God the Father to give his life as a ransom for many, for whosoever will. See, God can ransom what man can't. 
our sin had, as it were, kidnapped us and put us in a prison of our own making, far from God in the chains of iniquity, under God's holy wrath and powerless to free ourselves, a ransom had to be made. Something had to be done to free us. A price had to be paid, and you and I could never have paid that price. I want you to listen to Psalm 49, 7 and 8. It says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. No one can redeem mankind. We can't do it. If we could, then Christ died in vain. And we know that's not true. No mere man can ransom another man's soul. And you can't ransom your own soul. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can give everything you have away. You can serve people. You can do all of these things. But unless you come by way of the cross... You cannot be saved. It will not happen. Listen to verse 15 of Psalm 49. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Oh, wow. That right there, that's a promise. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. And that's not just talking about a hole that's buried in the ground. That's talking about the grave of sin, the chains of bondage. If you will say yes to Jesus, he will come in like a mighty rushing water. He will come in and free you, set you free from what you thought was going to be the rest of your life. God is not a man that he should lie. He cannot lie. If he says that he will redeem your soul from the power of the grave, he will do it. He is able, no matter how deep that grave has been dug. When you say yes to Jesus, you're coming out of that grave, amen? You're coming up, you're coming out. He will set you free. You've just got to say yes to him God will redeem again he will surely take me to himself man can't but God will so he's saying Peter if you resist my plan to die guess what you're resisting God if you resist the way of the cross you're resisting God that's always been his plan always will be there is no other plan you side with Satan against the Lord. Satan doesn't want me dead because he wants you in hell. That's essentially what Jesus is telling Peter. Satan wants me to bow down and worship him and jump off temples for fame and turn stones into bread for self-preservation. The last thing he wants is for a ransom to be paid for his captive. But that's what God wants. Peter, because he loves you. He loves you tonight. Whether you're here or watching by Facebook or the internet, he loves you. And his coming to die on Calvary's cross was the ransom. It is the love 
of God. As I said in the beginning, the greatest act of love was Jesus going to Calvary's cross. For it was at the cross, again, that everything was purchased. Your salvation, your healing, your deliverance, anything that you can think of, it was all purchased at the cross. Tonight, as we close, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through, but I know he's able. I know he's faithful. And I know that there are times in each and every one of our lives that we found ourselves in Peter's shoes. Surely not, Lord. Surely you don't want me to do this. Surely I'm not going to have to walk this path, go down this road. But I want to tell you, surely tonight, you're here. You're still here. And the path that he has for us sometimes, most of the time, doesn't make sense. But it always draws us closer to him. Always draws us closer to him. It's always for our good and his glory. Everything that you and I go through on this earth. It's just to make us more like him. To remove those things, to chip away those, those things that don't need to be there. So tonight I'm going to ask you to stand. If you want to come and stand in for a lost loved one, one that has rejected God's ways far too long, tonight will be the night that you draw the line in the sand and we'll come together and, and agree in prayer, join our faith for their salvation. Maybe you need to come, you need healing in your body, you just need restoration in relationships. Whatever the need is, don't walk out those doors the way you came. We all have a need, and we all need to be responding to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. He's here. It's up to you on how you respond. Vanessa, go ahead.
thank you tonight, God, for going to Calvary's cross, Lord. God, we are so unworthy, Lord. We don't deserve it, Lord, but out of your goodness and your grace and your mercy, Lord, you made that journey, Lord. You fought that battle, Lord. You finished the work, Lord. You fulfilled it all, Lord. And tonight we just say thank you, Lord. God, words are not enough to express our gratitude, our thankfulness, Lord, that you paid the debt that I owed, but I could never repay. But, Lord, I thank you tonight for going to Calvary's cross for me, Lord, for taking upon yourself my sins and my shame, Lord, that I can now live with you eternally, God. Oh, Lord, we just thank you tonight for our salvation. I pray that tonight, before one even leaves the door, Lord, that you restore the joy of salvation, Lord, that we begin, Lord, to just thank you, God, that just wells come up, Lord, spring up, Lord, of thankfulness and gratefulness. Lord, if you don't do another thing for us, Lord, you've already done more than we could ever hope for, more than we deserve, Lord. And we just say thank you tonight, God. Let us become excited, Lord, to tell of Calvary, Lord, to tell the greatest love story that was ever told, Lord, over 2,000 years ago, Lord. And we thank you for it tonight. I pray that you bless and keep each one, God, as we go our separate ways and bring us all back together at the next appointed time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Love you guys.